One and two and three and four. There's murder and intrigue, but the kids of Riverdale are gonna be just fine, just fine, just just fine. There's Jughead and Betty, and Dad's a serial killer serving some jail time, jail time, jail jail time. We got milkshakes at Pops. And mimosas at Veronica's Yeah, the kids of Riverdale are gonna solve some crime Some crime, some, some crime Cause the kids of Riverdale are gonna still be fine Maybe damaged, damn, damn, damn Sit right down, you're gonna have a real good time With Team Cheryl Who's Archie? Hello and welcome to another episode of Milkshakes and Mimosas. This episode, we are talking about Friday the 13th uh, parodies. And you might come to the realization like, what does this have to do with the RG podcast? Well, I'll let you know. um, There was one actor who was in Friday the 13th Part 8, uh, Jason Takes Manhattan. And there was an actor in... Uh, Lachlan Monroe was in Friday, Freddy vs. Jason, so it counts. Fuck you. I don't care. This is my podcast. I do what I want. And join with me to talk about all of these very questionable movies that we watched uh, is Jason. Hello, Jason. Yeah, hey. Um, yeah, almost as questionable as uh, Riverdale itself. Uh, you know what? I might say more questionable than Riverdale <laughs> itself because... Uh, <laughs> Let me tell you, I watched one movie and, sorry, I watched two movies, but I only consider one a movie and uh, the second one an experience. And, uh, yeah. Um, wow. Uh, you're, you're, you're right. You're right. I'm going to take that back because um, once I start getting into um, the second and especially the last film I watched, um, yeah, there's it's pretty fucking questionable. Um, Look, but, uh, let's let's just say I didn't watch a movie called Junk Bucket or Junk Bucket Strikes Again <laughs> because I thought they were too bad, and you will still hear about the movies we're talking about today. Yeah. Oh. Um, so so um, why don't I just kick it off with the first movie that I watched, um, <laughs> which was the best, which is the best of the movies I watched, um, Saturday the Fourteenth from nineteen eighty one. This really is not, you know, despite the, um, despite the title is very much nothing to do with Friday the 13th. Um, yeah, that's, that, that, that is funny because like, I feel like once you pass, I think 1988 is the first actual Friday the 13th parody we find. The other ones are just like weird title parodies, which yeah. is interesting. Well, Saturday the 14th is almost more like a, um like a haunted house parody sort of in the vein of like maybe an Amityville parody or um you know something of that nature like it's it's very much a haunted house type film um a parody film uh stars Richard Benjamin Paula Prentice I think I pronounced that right Jeffrey Tambor is in this what um yeah Jeffrey Tambor plays like a Dracula 
Oh um, no, that is a yeah. sexually assaulting Dracula. And- oh, well, it ju- well, I'll get to that. But Jeffrey Tambor um, has probably the best joke in the entire entire thing, which is going to buy this house, and and he's like, "Is this in a good school? Is this in a school close to the school?" And the um, real estate person is like, "Oh, do you have children?" And he says, "On occasion." Oh no. Which is a, which is a pretty good joke coming from like a Dracula, you know. That's pretty fucking funny. Um, I mean, that's a pretty good joke. Who is this directed by? Um, it's directed by Howard Cohen, who does direct the sequel that I know that you're going to talk about as well. I believe. Um, he also uh, he's directed and written a whole bunch of trash. Like he wrote uh, Deathstalker for. He uh, he's a TV writer for Care Bears in 1985 as well, um, and Vampire Hookers. So you know, very much on brand. You know, look, I will tell you right now. I bet you Care Bears is more offensive than Vampire Hookers. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Seven 14th, like, um, what make it, a lot of parodies? I think. And especially when I start talking about, like, Pandemonium, which is the next second film I watched, um, take, like, the airplane approach where it's just, like, throwing a whole bunch of jokes and they're not really related and the jokes are, like, breaking the fourth wall and it becomes grating. In Saturday the 14th, it's much more like a Simpsons Halloween special where, like, the jokes are contained in the world, kind of, more. Um, And it works better. And, and, And actually, the actors, for the most part, really work in this film and it's not a great film but it's very watchable especially like a minute fifth an hour 15 you know um it's not like it's not awful (laughs) you know that's what and um it it really the, the plot is um the plot is they get they inherit this house um from their i i don't remember some relative um uncle i think um, and in this house uh, resides a book of evil, where if you open the book, m- these monsters come to life. Um, basically, people in suits, right? Um, okay, and then there's okay. just there's just monster hijinks inside the house. The little boy opens it, but he also has control. His ultimate power. So you have like um, Jeffrey Tambor is a vampire, and his wife. Um, uh, who's like camping outside trying to get in to get the book. Um, they also bring in, uh, they call a exterminator and the exterminator comes over, happens to be Van Helsink. And then it becomes like, kind of like a battle of good versus evil inside the house with jokes. You, you know what I mean? It's a very, it's, it is a, a comedy for sure. Um, okay. some of the jokes work, some of them don't. Um, but it really never lingers too long on any of them. And it's not ever, as grating as like a true spoof film can be, you know. Well, you know that's already a bonus. Uh, given even in the sequel, it uh, uh, doesn't really do the balance super well. Uh, yeah. So I'm glad that the original is solid. Okay. So. Okay. Wait, 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 wait. One more before we get to Sarah, the 14th rides again or whatever the fuck it's oh, called. Obviously, oh. obviously, <laughs> I want to know. Uh-oh. I want to know from you. Does a bathtub scene with Creature the Black Lagoon-esque ripoff happen? Yes, it does. Movie? Yep. Carrie Michelson, who's like the daughter, oh, God. Um, gets in. It's, it's funny because it like plays it like, and, and it's not actually funny, but like it's uh, it, the way that it plays it off is like you think it's Jaws because it kind of plays the music and you see the fin moving around. 
right? And then she gets into the tub, and it turns out that Finn belongs to um, a creature from the Black Lagoon, and it basically becomes the shape of water, you know? See, I swear that same scene happens in Strikes Again. We'll talk about it soon. But you don't get to see the creature. Oh, so, yeah. You totally so get to see I, a full uh, rubber suit monster, which is pretty sweet. Of course. Like, you'd want to see that monster. Yeah. I wrote I wrote an article about this movie without ever seeing it when I was talking about, like, <laughs> needlessly obscure Halloween costumes. Yeah. And I talked about the, like, Creature from the Black Lagoon ripoff in this movie. I called it Creature from the Legally Distinct Lagoon. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But, but I wasn't sure, like, when I was watching the sequel, I was like, wait, this seems like the exact same scene? Like, what is happening here? And, like, I think they just reused the footage without the monster reveal. I'm not surprised because, like I said, this is, like, an hour and 60 minutes, and it's clear they're out of material, like, 40 minutes into this fucking film. <laughs> oh, you know what I mean? No. They're out of jokes in, like, 40 minutes, you know? This should have been, like, oh, no. an hour long, and it would have been... Pro- probably pretty tight and, and fun like um that you start feeling it around like the 45 minute mark at least i did um you know and there's some you know, and for a film of its time it's surprisingly not that offensive like the jokes never really uh, I'm, I'm sure there's some stuff in there but it's you know there's there's a lot of like um take my wife please type of jokes right but it's not like a racially offensive in any way or um you know, it it, it really let's, is it's just say, pretty good fun, you know? That's awesome. You know, that's actually impressive because, uh, let's just say, in the sequel, uh, they get into some questionable Grace jokes. Yeah, yeah. And, so, and, and you know what? Like, say what you will about comedy is in the 80s. Like, there's a lot of things that you can criticize about it. But if you can get through a whole comedy in the 80s and go hey this like wasn't incredibly offensive and had a especially few like a spoof. jokes like it was just a spoof right like yeah. that's that's like legit was there any hockey mask references in your version no none none Ooh. at all it was all monsters and rubber suits which is cool like you know there's a scene where um <clears throat> Uh, Debbie, the daughter, this, the same daughter who goes into the tub, um, finds herself in the kitchen, and like all the monsters are hanging out playing cards and shit like that. Um, and it's like a big monster mash, and it's kind of fun. Like you see the mummy, you see um, Creature Black Lagoon, you see a bunch of people like weird monsters with eyes on top of their heads, and they're all cheap rubber suits, but it's still kind of fun, you know. It's kind of you know, um, in that way, like this film has kind of the chaos. Um, that works for a Monster Mash type film like this, and they don't hide away from it at all. Like they show those fucking rubber suits all in your face, and I appreciate that personally. Um, the after the bathtub scene, the creature of the Black Lagoon comes down and murders the fucking police officer. You know? Oh, whoa, um, the creature for the Black Lagoon actually does something. Yeah, he chokes out a police officer, and then there's a joke later where his wife comes over for a party, and his head's on a fucking plate, and she's. You know, yelling at him. Um, so you know, there, there's some there's some good monster shit in here. Like for the '80s, for the cheesiness. If you're looking for that, like this Saturday Fourteenth brings that. Actually, hey, look, like legit. Um, if you talk about uh, monster movies in the '80s, like even the most popular monster movies in the '80s are incredibly offensive. So like the fact that they got <laughs> through. 
like think about Monster Squad. Like for sure, it's less offensive than Monster Squad. Even like Monster Squad has some ridiculous shit in it. That's crazy because like so uh, say like I listened to a podcast Attack of the Queer Wolf and they had mm-hmm. Brian Fuller on who did like the Hannibal series and did a oh my whole God. bunch of other. That's shit. awesome. Yeah, he's Brian Fuller is like amazing, but he talked yeah, about about Monster Squad and he was like, yeah, like I watched that movie and like I didn't feel included because they constantly used the word fag in that. Yeah, movie. sure. They, I mean, even Bill and Ted, right? Like we think of that film as Hell. being um, very innocent, but they dropped the f bomb hard in that first film. Yeah, for sure. Like I even like uh, on on like I think on Twitter I was like, hey, we should all be like Bill and Ted, and then somebody like quoted that that moment on me, and I was like, oh shit! Like I mm-hmm. didn't even remember that moment. So yeah, yeah. it's impressive that a moment in an eighties eighties uh, movie does not end up like offending half the population <laughs> when it does when it does its comedy. And, and, you know, and to your point, like I'm a straight white dude, there might be something that I missed or I didn't resonate with me um, that could be, but I felt I'm pretty like um, I'm pretty tuned into that stuff typically. Um, you know, I didn't really feel, and I'm sure there's some shit that's a little offensive, but like in oh. comparison to the other shit that I watched, um, <laughs> it is, um, it is basically, especially considering Jeffrey Tambor's in it, it's, um, <laughs> it's pretty fucking, it's pretty, it's pretty fucking clean. Um, and this film ends with... An interesting turn. I'm going to spoil Saturday the 14th, the fucking film from 1981. Oh, um, no. This film ends with the kid... And actually, the, the, the there's like a little kid in this movie, um, Kevin Brando, um, who plays Billy, um, who has possession of the book, right? And he's actually pretty fucking good, like, for a kid actor. Um, he's also a kid who did a bunch of the singing for, like, the Charlie Brown specials. Um, I think he played um, Schrader, Schrader a bunch of times. Um... He has possession of the book. He, um, you know, throughout the film, as Van Helsink is um, introduced, he's kind of um, trying to get the kid to give him the book. And it turns out that in the end, there's a twist that actually it's Van Helsink that's the fucking evil fucker. And he's actually called Waldemir, but he's Dracula as Jeffrey Tambor um, is the good guy. The uh, the only time in history that Jeffrey Tambor and the good guy will be uh, <laughs> as well. Jeff Tambor is the actual monster in the world, but um, it's just an interesting twist, right? Like um, he uh, rebuffs Van Helsink, and then you know the spell is broken, etc., and everyone's happy. See, that's interesting because I guess uh, we'll just go right right ahead to the uh, the the sequel film. Which, like... Uh, Has none of the original cast in it, I believe. No, no, but it does have one cast... Okay, one cast member from a pod... From something we talked about in a previous podcast, not on this network, Electric Terror. It has a stand member in it. A what? The stand. Yeah, member what... what? From- what stand member? What stand? What? Which... I want you to guess. I want you to guess what the stand member would be in this. Would be in this <laughs> show. It is not who you would expect. Uh, it has nothing to do with M O O N. Other than as <laughs> a Gary Sinise. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is the old man with the dog. 
he appears in this specific version of the film, and that is uh, Ray Walston. Oh, well, Ray Walston, yes. The great yeah. Ray Walston. The great Ray Walston is the kooky grandpa in this movie. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, so that fits. This... like that. That's his. That's his. You know what I mean? Like that's his. Uh, that's his thing, right? Well, of course, of course. Like he's got he's got a bit of a range, and it's just what kind of kooky his grandpa will be, and what kind of politics his grandpa will land on. Uh, but <laughs> so so this podcast, this movie is kind of interesting because it it kind of just like the comedy in this movie just throws everything at the wall. Like, mm. this is not a moment of screen time that you watch the movie and are like, oh, they kind of wasted that. It's like, no, they tried to do, like, comedy from, like, page one. This movie starts yeah. with a bunch of characters, like, with a movie character talking about, like, staring at the sea. And, like, the sea is, like, coming in, coming out, tide is coming out, and he's like, you know... They, in school, always showed me these videos of tides going in and out. But they never told me that the tides coincide with evil. Cracks in the earth open up and they reveal the evil of the world. So it it cuts from the scene of the ocean to this kid going to this new new house that he owns now. Him and his family own. And it cuts to, it has this line where it's like, we never expected to own this. My grandpa, my uncle left it to me unexpectedly. And then it cuts to his uncle being like electrocuted at the, at the chair. Just as a casual, just as a casual reference. Just as a casual reference. Yo, the death penalty. Ain't that funny? Oh, that's Uh, funny because the movie I'm going to talk about next also makes like death penalty jokes. I don't know what it is about the uh, Friday the 13th franchise and the death penalty, but they love it. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Anyways, uh, so it has this moment where he doesn't realize that he's going to have to save the world. So the whole movie is him in this uh, specific spot on the planet, which has uh, tectonic plates that combine and split open to reveal the greatest human that has ever existed. And it just happens to be this white ass, like sixteen-year-old kid, as you do, I guess. Okay. So, yeah. So it's him, and uh, he uh, he he finds out that his parents are completely obsessed with weird supernatural things when the lights turn down and everything goes dark. So uh, his his parents, his dad especially, looks like some goofy ass, like weird ass, like he looks like Mario from like the Super Mario show. Like if you're talking about, <laughs> he looks like sorry, Captain Lou Albano. Yes. If I was, yes. Yeah. Like if I was just give him give him his credit, Captain Lou Albano. That is what his dad looks like. He just constantly is like eating food and like getting food all over his chest and like talking about. Just like I love to eat food, and my my family just serves donuts and chocolates, and we love it. But we secretly become evil and make statues to, uh, you know, the Statue of Liberty and all these weird things. And they make statues. So in the middle of the night, they make statues out of pudding. What? Yeah, yeah, they make statues out of pudding, and the pudding statues they make immediately go missing in real life. So they do, like, the Arc de Triomphe, they do, like, the Statue of Liberty, they do all these weird shit, and it just mysteriously disappears. Because, of course. 
Um, there's a dog that has weird effects that makes it look like a, uh, like a, like a roller skate. Uh, it's not a roller skate, but it's a dog, but you know, whatevs. But so the main plot of this, this movie is that they're at a spot where like evil mist leaks through the floorboards. And when the floorboards and the mist, like get in people's lungs, they become evil and start becoming the servants of evil. So this kid apparently he was born on like a very special date when like the moon met the moon and there's some dumb stupid magic shit and when because that happened when saturday 14th at midnight happens he will become the ruler of the world as you do and as the days trick by and as the days get closer to saturday 14th more weird things start like appearing and start becoming uh, like becoming reality and all of his family just go oh what is this i can't believe there's a mummy in the kitchen what the hell is this shit i'm ray ralston and this doesn't make anything any difference to me because i'm a kooky old grandpa and i have no no agency and you're like okay i guess this is a thing like what the fuck is happening in this movie and eventually the kid goes, I don't want to be evil. I want to be good. So I will like fight through all of these things and become good person. And becomes good person and fights people who are like mummies and ghosts and shit. Like, for example, Michael Berryman. Do you know who Michael Berryman is? Of course is? I know who Michael Berryman is. Legendary Michael Berryman. Of course, legendary Michael Berryman. He plays a mummy in this movie. But, like, his face just looks normal. His body just looks normal. Someone just threw a few, like, rags on his head. Oh. Yeah, and you're like, oh, man, Michael Berryman is, like, a legit actor. Like, Michael <laughs> Berryman has a lot to offer the world. Yeah, he does. And, uh, yeah, of course he does. And, like, people just keep casting him as very questionable uh, scenes. And uh, things like he has an older sister and the creature from the Black Lagoon scene, I think, happens from stock footage, but you don't get to see the monster. That is bullshit. All the monsters look like Star Wars Cantina ripoffs, by the way. Like, yeah, like that... legit. Like, it yeah, looks that, like you that... just walked and like, okay, to clarify, the uh, Star Wars... Like, episode four, or as the people who are educated just call it, is Star Wars. Um, <laughs> the monsters in that movie are all discount movie props. Like, sure. when you go into the cantina, all of them sure. are discounts. Like, you go into the you go into the cantina, and it's like, they, they uh, dug up, like, a shitty werewolf costume from the basement, a shitty de- de- devil costume from the basement, and, like, like, legit, like, not even shitting you, all of these are, like crappy costumes they got from a basement of a studio sure but what what works it what sounds like it's different is like in star wars the reason that works is because it's so confident about those shitty props like it just shows them to you like it it doesn't really try to hide them all that much like it just um oh oh believe me saturday the 14th strikes again shows them to you but they look even worse (laughs) <laughs> they look they look worse than discount movie props in a movie that has now become famous, but like believe me, if it was any other time period in any other movie, you would look at that movie and be like, damn, that's some shitty ass discount movie effects. Yeah, 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 for sure. 
It is the discount version of the discount cantina scene. It's a discount cantina scene. There's like shitty looking minotaurs like dancing around. There's some like weird genie lady. And the genie lady is like, oh, come and kiss me. And then we can make sure that the world all burns and everyone listens to you. You're the god. You're the antichrist child. And there's, like, some weird scene where they're both on a train. Like, the Antichrist and the Christ are on a train, and they're, like, like going towards each other. And it's, like, some weird Buster Keaton stock footage. There's scenes where, like, the kid, who is supposed to be just be a kid, but is revealed to be, like, the Christ, is, mm-hmm. like, floating in, the, in, like, in, like, terrible green screen sky effects and, like, fighting... The devil, which is also terrible green screen sky effects, and those like we're fighting each other, and there's like terrible like lightning bolts and stuff. Uh, I don't know how to describe this movie. Obviously, if you've listened, I, to I mean, I, I think I think I think that's because it's a fucking sounds like it's sort of all over. Like, like I said, it's, like the first one, I think is out of ideas by the forty minute mark, and that probably just rolled over to the second one. Like the uh, oh. Oh, definitely. Like, yeah. they're making Unabomber jokes, like, what? minute two. Unabomber? Make... When does the second one come out? When when did this come out? Uh, 88, I believe. Oof. Um, so, like, and by Unabomber, I mean, like, they're walking through a, like, neighborhood, and they're like, oh, yes, we have a postman who's just like anyone else. I just live in a normal society. And as what? he walks by, you hear the, like, the postage that the guy just delivered explode. So, like... So the first one comes out in 1981, and seven years later they come out with the second one? Who is... Who the fuck is clamoring for a sequel to Saturday the 14th seven years later? I don't know. That's insane. Oh, there's also, like... So, um, in order to make the movie, they, like, decide to do a whole bunch of, like, weird... Uh, cultural parodies. So, like, for example, like, you know, I talked about, like, there's the Minotaur, mm-hmm. uh, but there's also a person who is very clearly supposed to be a uh, Egyptian priest. Oh, buddy, he is. Brown face. <laughs> Wait a minute. I'm just, I'm looking at IMDb. They have somebody playing Genghis Khan in this fucking movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. Genghis Khan <laughs> is in a scene... He is, but like to, to the movie's credit, he's played by an Asian actor, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, fucking! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it's not great. Uh, let me tell you, it's a very weird movie, and it goes all in. Like it's a movie that like. Like, any 10-second period that you go through with the movie, you'd be like, wow, they did not waste any time trying to fit as many jokes as they can into this moment. Imagine they hired... <laughs> Imagine they fucking hired John Wayne to play Genghis Khan in this fucking movie. I mean, I mean, they'd all die from, like, radiation poisoning <laughs> well, that's true. if that movie is any indication. 
Oh like, Jesus! It's like it's like a weird movie because like it's not openly offensive. Like again, like we talked about a lot of '80s comedies at this point, and like it's not openly offensive. Like it's not like lol, lol, lol look at this other culture. But like, yes, it's still incredibly offensive because it has all of these like brown face moments and like mm. these questionable scenarios in it. I'm just I'm fascinated that it was done by the same guy. That seems nuts to me. That's weird. They have somebody playing John Wilkes Booth in this fucking movie? What oh, is going I, on? Okay, look, I feel like I'm doing this movie a discredit because, like, Burke <laughs> from Burke and Hare shows up. Uh, like, what? yeah, like, no shit. Like, they, like, do, like, a full range of, like, the worst humans on Earth. Lizzie Borden? And Lizzie Borden, yeah, yeah, you get, like, everyone. All the worst humans on Earth show up in this movie and you're like, oh, is this the movie you're going to show up in? Like, even if you were, That's like, funny. Burke and Hare in the time period that you existed, you would watch this movie and be like, mm, I don't know if I want my name attached to this. That's fucking crazy. It's just a weird movie. It's like a weird movie where a bunch of weird shit happens in one town, in like, in one town, one house, because they can't afford anything else. Yeah. It sounds like the original is just, like... Um, a scotch more coherent, which kind of makes it work a little. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. all you kind of really need. Yeah, because there's like all these like weird little subplots where yeah. like a vampire shows up, like a vampire lady shows up, and she brings all these other people in, and she's trying to like swoon the main character sure. to be the team of evil, and the kid who's like is like a in love with this person who's clearly like seems like some kind of like arab genie type of like offensive stereotype and he eventually ends the movie being in love with her but no evil involved and it's just it's just like i don't think it was very uh thought out when it was made like it felt like a movie that was like yo what if what if we did this and then they just went with it yeah so that's that's that movie uh, I'm interested to hear about any other movie that... Uh, I think you're going to regret saying that. Um, oh, I can't wait. So we're on to uh, 1982s. And I don't know if we mentioned this up front. There was definitely like a whole bunch of um, horror spoofs became a thing like early 80s for some reason. Um, um, this is kind of like um, the reason why we're doing this in terms of um, just talking about a craze in terms of horror spoofs, which is weird, like, I, something I wasn't, as a horror fan, really tuned into as much, right? Like, when I think of horror spoofs, I think of, like, Scary Movie, or, um, and I guess that's just my age, but, like, in the early 80s, people were looking to spoof horror films for some fucking reason. Um, and one of those films, <clears throat> 82, a year after, um, Saturday the 14th, is Pandemonium. Um, Pandemonium is... Uh, film. <laughs> uh, directed by... Al- I'm going to say it's a film. Um, directed by Alfred Soul. Alfred Soul is uh, weirdly um, a d- director and writer of Alice Sweet Alice, which is crazy, um, because that's a uh, pretty good film, and this is a absolute dog shit of a film. Um, Pandemonium is much more closer to being a Friday the 13th spoof, but it's actually sort of, 
a, a giallo spoof, right? It's like um, there's a killer. Really? A yeah, in the sense that in the like sense that it, it hides who the killer is. Like you're supposed to not know. It's a mystery who the killer is, kind so, of thing. So, okay, so like, is it like a Friday Thirteenth is spoofing a is like kind of a pastiche of a giallo and a spoof of that, or is it like a legit? You think they watch some giallo films? Uh, I'm sure that, like I said, the writer director directed fucking Alice Sweet Alice, so I'm pretty sure he, he knows some fucking, um, Giallo, right? Like, it, I... Yeah, I guess, holy shit, a guy who directed Alice Sweet Alice... He wrote and directed Alice Sweet Alice, yeah. Um, which is, and this movie is utter dog, like, in my opinion, is utter dog shit. Like, it is, um... A low, low, low rent airplane. Like, that's kind of, like, the approach it takes is every joke. Like, if you think of those, like, epic movie films, like, th that's the kind of approach this is. Like, it's pop culture references of the time. It's really fucking horny. Um, and also misogynistic. And um, it's just, like, mean-spirited, too. Um, and this has, like, a really interesting cast, which is bizarre, uh, but it's just really... Well, so let me just go through some of the people that are in this film, and it's gonna blow oh. your fucking mind, Andrew. Oh, of course, um, I can't wait. Um, so let's just start, I mean, um, Tom Smothers is in this film. Um, what the fuck? Who, I'm like, the Smothers Brothers? Yeah, I find Tom Smothers, um, even in this film, incredibly... Um, charismatic in the sense that, like, I can't help but like that dude. He seems like a great guy. Um, and he, that is the case in here. You have Paul Rubens, who's, like, do, who's doing the Pee Wee voice in this film. What? For what sure. Is this? 82. And when does Pee Wee start? Like, 80. I'm, I guess, like, late 80s? Like, I think yeah. that's when Pee Wee started. Wow. Yeah, so, like, you know, he, a young Paul Rubens. Um, <laughs> You have, um, in a little role, Phil Hartman's in this film. What uh, the fuck, Phil No, Hartman? I'm not even done. Carol what? Kane is, plays a prominent role in this film. I love what Carol Kane. And she's Carol a very Kane. young Carol Kane in this film. Judge Reinhold with bleach blonde hair is in this film. Okay, okay. I swear <laughs> to God, if I didn't know better, I would say you're making this the <laughs> fuck up. Like, it's crazy because Carol Kane... Like, so just example, Carol Kane is in one of the quintessential slasher films, sure, which of course. is A Stranger Calls, right? Like, 100%. A, Stranger Calls. a great and movie. That's like, and that's like one of the movies which helped start the genre. So, like, it's fucking crazy. And I think that movie was made after this. Yeah, it, like, I'm pretty sure um, A Stranger Calls is like mid 80s, right? Maybe I'm wrong on that. Maybe it's like a year or two later. Um, oh, okay. Uh, when a Stranger Calls is 1979. Okay, so it's a couple... Even but, more weird. You know, it's not... Uh, you know, depending on what the production looks like, that's very close, you know? Um, but probably When a Stranger Calls first. Um, she is really young in this film. Um, well, so the premise of this film is really much like cheerleaders are being killed. They have a cheerleader camp, and every time there's a cheerleader camp, cheerleaders get killed. Um, there's a woman, there's a young lady at the beginning of the film who, because she has a Brooklyn accent and isn't, like, um, Midwestern enough, um, is rejected at being a cheerleader, so she comes back to start a cheerleading camp years later, and then people start getting murdered. Um, all, and as I said, it's, um, very much a, 
um, airplane type scenario where people are just like commenting on shit, talking about sex. Um, oh my! Oh my God! The the guy who directed this movie also directed Alice, Sweet Alice. I said that already. He wrote Sorry. it too. Look, I'm sorry, but that needs to be restated because <laughs> Alice Street Alice is just a fucking basic ass giallo film. Right, that's that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like that. You what know, the fuck. Um, like uh, an example of like a joke in this film is like at the very beginning, cheerleaders are like dancing, and this the killer throws a giant spear, and it spears all the cheerleaders at once, and they call it like a shish kebab, and they're going after Hungarians. Um, oh my god. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I want you to guess. What was this movie called during production? Oh. Working title. Fuck. Um, this is what I get for not doing my research on this, but, um. Oh, it's, it's the worst. It's the worst thing that, I don't think a movie, like, even a movie parodying this franchise has not gone back to this date. I don't know. Tell me. Thursday the 12th. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody has done that. Nobody has done that. Like, like even, like, we we will talk about further parodies in this franchise and, like, talking about Friday the 13th in general. Nobody has gone back to Thursday the 12th because <laughs> nobody does anything on a Thursday. The whole point of the franchise is that it happens on a fucking, like, carefree weekend. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the whole point of, like, Jason Voorhees and everything. <laughs> so, you're gripe with weekend. this. If you had seen this film, that would be the least of your gripes with it. Um, <laughs> in the scene where Judge Reinhold gets murdered, right? Um, oh, God. Can I can I applaud this scene? Um, no, if you like, want to, I'm that's going to be on the internet rock. for the remainder of your life if you want to applaud this scene. So, he... Oh, no. Um, oh, no. <laughs> he, um... Is doing this thing where he's um, jumping off a trampoline and practicing his cheerleader things for his love. I'm not going to get into that, but there's like a whole bunch of sex shit and all that stuff. Um, even though they don't show any of it, it's very, it's a very sexualized film for sure. Which you know the Friday the Thirteenth films definitely are as well, but this is like, I don't know. For some reason, I find this more mean spirited than even those films. Um, well, I mean, to be honest, like, a lot of sex comedies of the time, like, even going back yeah, to... Yeah, for sure. Uh, say, like, Animal. Like, Animal... Meatballs. Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, like, all of that shit. Like, it was a lot more mean-spirited about sexuality than even, like, mm. the Friday the 13th movies. Oh, and, oh, I forgot, Andrew. David Lander is in this film. Do you know who that is? No. Squiggy is in this fucking movie. <laughs> He reminds me. Okay, that name sounds familiar. Who Squiggy is, is from. <laughs> you don't know who Squiggy is. Okay. Do you know who that is? No. Oh. Um. Uh. Squiggy is from Laverne and Shirley, and he what? is. Yeah. 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 Um. He's yeah. He's a character on that show. Um. And obviously as well because that is a. Um. I think he was also. Uh, he was on the Love Boat as well. He played a major character on that. So, like, that dude is... Um, do, do you want to know where I know him from? Because I opened up his IMDb page. Sure. He is smartass in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. He's, he was also on Twin Peaks, too. I forgot about that. Oh, oh, of course. Of course I know him. Um, <clears throat> he, uh, so, he, I mean, that's a dude, right? Like, that's not a nobody for sure. Um, yeah. So Judge Reinhold, anyways, going back to this, Judge Reinhold, again, bleach blonde hair, 
jumping on a trampoline during this practice, the killer puts dynamite on um, on the trampoline, oh, um, no. blows the trampoline up as he's jumping on it, and what what do you think happens? Uh, he blows up? Uh, like, no. What? He flies through the air through the backboard of the basketball hoop, out the window, into, into the air... Okay. Higher and higher, flying through the air until he is flying next to uh, Japan Airlines. Oh, God. Do you know where oh, this is no. going? No, don't you don't, know. because inside Japan Airlines airplane, Godzilla is the fucking person walking up and down the aisle serving drinks. All the Japanese people lose their minds, get excited and run, and of course start taking pictures of him flying next to the plane. Oh, and no. then Godzilla lights somebody on fire with his fire breath in the plane, in a whole bunch of you know stereotypical Japanese you know uh, noises commence. Oh well, that's offensive. But you know what's not <laughs> offensive is the fact that you somehow managed to connect this to uh, a Riverdale character because, uh, <laughs> as you all know, Twin Peaks does feature a prominent Riverdale actress. Um, so. That's amazing. Hey, you know, that's how I do. I'm a professional. Look, you somehow managed to make this podcast, which is like the least amount connected to uh, uh, Riverdale ever, and be like, hey, this person was in uh, Twin Peaks, and also Machin Amik was in uh, Twin Peaks, who is Betty's mom in, Twin, mm-hmm. in uh, Riverdale. So there you go. This film yes, also... You somehow made this relevant. <laughs> I hope I hope you realize that, and I hope you bring that to I don't know your family. Let's go on my your resume. Friends, like your resume, mm-hmm. everyone. Uh, it also um, is a film that um, takes shots at Canadians quite a bit, um, as you might oh, want to know. Um, motherfuckers, what do they say? No, uh, well, um, you have um, Tom Smothers. I think Tom Smothers might be Canadian himself. I'm not sure, um, but he's playing a, a mounted uh, a mounty. Okay, okay. So he's, you know, um, treats his horse like um, his partner kind of deal. So he's, like, riding on the horse all the time. He's wearing the fucking Mountie outfit. They're making it goofy. Oh, um, he's American, by the way. So oh, okay. So no, no. Him. Fuck him. Um, fuck him. Yep. Yeah. Um, and, like... <sighs> Uh, you know, it's it, it said he's the least offensive part of this film for the most part. Oh, I would say. No. Oh uh, no, that's troubling. <laughs> I would say steer clear of this one. Like it's unless you like, if you're a person that likes like epic movie and shit like that, which if you are, fuck you. Um, steer clear <laughs> of this film. You know, that's kind of what feel. About. Okay, okay. Look, we've gone through a lot of shit on this podcast. I'm about to like blow your mind and talk to you about a po- about the oh, look. I'm willing to go on the record. This is it. This is the like. I don't know. I don't know if the like political record. I don't know like lawful record. I don't know what podcasts are, but like this counts for it. <laughs> hang me, hang me if I'm lying. But unmasked part twenty five is a fucking masterpiece. Wow. Is a fucking masterpiece. This is 1988. This is in. Uh, this is a Europe, uh, a European film. It's like super British. 
And it's so British that, like, I'm kind of worried that, like, maybe I didn't fully get the, like, some of the commentary about it. But, like, I feel like this is a film where a character who is clearly Jason, his name is, his name is Jackson in the film. Okay, so let's, let's start this out. So a character is going to a party with a bunch of friends. Okay. Very Friday the 13th-esque sounding. They meet, like, a guy who's, like, clearly a, like, forsayer of doom. Who's like, don't go in this house. A bunch of people have died. A whole bunch of terrible family shit have happened. So they go in this house. And then a series of, like, honestly, some of the best kills in the entire Friday the 13th franchise happens. Just a bunch of them happen all at once. And then this Jason character, who's named Jackson... Uh, goes to kill our main character, who is a blind characteress, uh, and she goes, "Hey, Jackson, you're my like surprise date. Like, let's talk and let's have a romance." And all of a sudden, this movie switches from like the best Friday Thirteenth movie you've seen to like a legit romance, where this character is going and talking to all of these like different uh, parts of his life. He has this extremely like. I don't, I don't know if this, like, uh, touches on how good of a fucking actor the main character named Gregory Cox is, but he has a discussion with his drunken dad, um, who apparently lives with him now that his mom has died. So the entire plot of this, this series is this is a serial killer Jason who has returned to Britain after leaving the UK with his mom to go to the United States to have all the Friday the 13th movies. And they just got his name wrong. <laughs> and they call them Jason instead of Jackson. And this is a character who suddenly has like this midlife crisis, finds a woman he really likes, has this very sweet romance with him, even though it gets into this weird like uh, BDSM moment of the movie. But, like, the way that the characters act this scene where they're like, oh, yes, let's try on all of these sex toys. You're like, um, I don't know if maybe I just don't understand British syntax, but, like, you guys seem to be doing, like, really good performances right now, and I just kind of believe what you're doing. So, like, even if you make, like, a weird pun about having sex, like, it kind of works really well, and I'm kind of concerned about my own existence that this moment plays so well but he has this really touching romance with this blind woman and they have this really big connection and he has just killed all of her friends so she is planning this weekend getaway with all of her new friends and he kind of goes and kills all of them and tells her not to not to stay uh not to go to the the night and she goes he goes to meet her he finds out she's pregnant. He goes, oh, no, you're not pregnant. By the way, he is very British. He can talk. He takes off his mask multiple times. But unlike like a bad movie where when a Jason stereotype takes off his mask and he looks really hot, this is a movie where they try to match the like Friday the 13th part, like part three makeup, and they make him look really deformed. And he's unmasked for like a whole bunch of this movie, having this really touching romance with this blind woman. Is he um? Is he like mentally challenged though, or not? No. Okay. No. The whole movie is like you have never given me the chance to speak. <laughs> now that I, 
So like he's like having like this moment with this woman where he's about to kill her and she like asks him like, How are you today? And he's like, Oh, no one has given me the chance to speak. And now I love you. <laughs> just making and, like, Jason suave as fuck is fu- is just a funny idea. <laughs> it's just like a very suave Jason yeah. where he's talking with this like blind woman who then gets into like very like detailed and interesting elements about her own sexuality. Where she talks about like how like oh they always expect me to be the typical goody goody good girl just because I'm a blind woman, but I have all mm. these like uh, complex sexual interests and it never like talks down about her. It's like very like sex positive movie about Jason Voorhees, which is like very weird, and it also has like some of the best kills like of the franchise, and they also bring in like his drunk dad. And his drunk Jason's drunk dad looks exactly like the grave digger from Jason Part Six, like Jason lives. And he just like lives in this apartment where Jason murdered a bunch of people, and he's just like, "Oh, you're you're just a shitty son." And like in a normal like parody movie, you would expect this moment to be like a joke fest, like yeah. where like a, where like the dad would just give a lot of jokes. And like the the Jason stereotype would respond with a lot of jokes, but like it's played really serious. And like the guy who's playing Jason and the guy who's playing his dad gives like a really good performance. So it's like this weird like statement about further Friday the Thirteenth movies while also being like an amazing Friday the Thirteenth movie think- with like all this like heart and depth. Yeah, and, like really good kills, and you're like, "What the fuck am I watching?" Like, this is the weirdest movie of all. I, I think that's time. really interesting. Like, I think horror comedy um, has to have that darkness to it too, right? Like, that's why I think these right. spoof movies don't necessarily resonate with me. Like the true ones, unless they have some, um, um, like, it, it, when I mean darkness, I mean it doesn't like the next film I'm gonna talk about like it's definitely dark but it's also disgusting do you know what i mean like in in the sense of like it's um sexuality and its approach to women and things like that that's not what i mean what i mean is like some depth of darkness in mixed in with the humor i think like the english have a better grasp of that than americans do I feel like I I agree with that because there's this moment where they're talking about their first time ever having sex. And the the Jason character says, like, yes, I had first touch sex with a dead counselor. And, like, the way he says it, like, the way that I delivered that line, you would be like, oh, that's a fucking gross line. Like, why would anyone say that? But the way that the guy delivers this is with such, like, delivery and expectation and, like, such embodiment of the character. You just believe it. You're just like, oh, fuck. This guy had, like, a really, like, fucked up childhood. And he's trying to, like, open up and be, like, emotional with this character. So it's, like, this weird movie that takes a lot of the, like, satirical beats of some of the other parodies that we'll definitely talk about during this podcast. But it, it plays it so well and like the acting is like at such a point where you're like fuck like i don't know why but like i believe in this character it's just such a weird yeah. experience it, it's sort of um, the way you're describing it, i haven't watched this film yet but i really mean to um and i can't wait to watch it, it sort of reminds me of like the way man bites dog is handled um that's, you know that's a really good comparison uh yeah so that's a really good that comparison. and if anyone listens hadn't seen that as a fucking phenomenal film um 
and it's kind of does the same thing for the character that, uh, that what you're describing, which is like make you feel for a monster to a certain degree. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But it sounds like um, at the heart of it, this and maybe you could tell me a little bit more about like where it takes that character because I'm kind of interested. It, it you know it, is it saying that it's a misunderstood character or is it just no, trying to human you know it's it's very much like this dude is fucking awful because yeah. so i'm just gonna give a spoiler because like even if you get a spoiler for this movie you will still enjoy this movie experience again if you're listening to this podcast so there's a moment where he finds out she's pregnant and mm. then he kills her like he straight up like slits her throat looks at the camera and says Oh, it's so hard to be a monster. <laughs> and, like, the way he delivers it is, like, it's, like, this weird way of, like, oh, my God, this is hilarious, but, like, what the fuck? Why am I laughing at this? Like, yeah. it ch- it challenges you in a way that, like, none of these other movies have. I believe this I film just... is um getting a re-release soon as well, right? If you're Yes, yes, it's coming out by Vinegar Syndrome, the Blu-ray. And I don't think it's ever been officially available in high-definition in north america and let's just say the first 30 minutes of this movie instantly made me buy the blu-ray of uh unmasked part 25 and uh let's just say uh i'm gonna include it in all my friday the 13th rankings from now on and it's gonna be number three it's the third wow. best friday the 13th movie ever made wow that's my yeah that's my that's my stance and i fucking love all of these movies and i will continuously watch this movie because it's just a weird it challenges you in a way that none of these other parodies do. Mm. And I mean, I it's hard to it's hard to talk about because it's a weird movie where the last shot is a guy screaming because he finds out Unmasked Part 26 is being made. <laughs> like it's just him like he's going down the streets like having just murdered his girlfriend and he just looks at the scr- like looks at a movie theater and the marquee says unmasked part 26 and he just screams into the the air and that's the way the movie ends and there's like moments where he's like literally killing people and he's being like oh this has so little meaning nowadays like there's nothing to what, this what really strikes me about the way you describe this and um all of the other spoofs right i'm going to talk about the vhs um which i you know um um short which isn't really a spoof right um so i take it i I take that separately um the other spoofs we've talked about kind of treat horror and jason as a fucking joke in and of itself right like isn't this such a stupid character isn't horror such a stupid premise whereas this film sounds like it actually loves the character which is a huge difference it's very weird because it very much takes uh, the idea of Jason as a character and just goes, yes, this is a character. This person exists in the real world. Let's right. talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, it gets wacky, but, like, the acting is so good that you never feel like it's wacky. And, like, it was such a weird – so, like, I watched a lot of parody films in my life, and I've never mm. seen a film quite like this – I feel like I put it in the realm of, like, Shaun of the Dead. Where, like, it's nowhere near as good as Shaun of the Dead. Like, don't don't get yeah, into yeah, it. Yeah, like, yeah. don't go into this and expecting, like, a masterpiece. Uh, but, like, go into this thinking of, like, the same kind of parody where it also acts as a very good version of said movie. Yeah, okay. That's fair. 
That's That's fair. Let's let's talk about uh, Saturday the 14th and then kind of transition into one we can both talk about, which is uh, the uh, final girls. Yeah, well, no, no, I talked Saturday the 14th already. I kind of want to talk about um, really briefly. I always forget what it's called. Is it called, what is it called? Tuesday the, like, 17th or something? Yeah, it's called um, Tuesday the 17th, directed by Glenn McQuaid, who also directed, I believe, um, shit, I know he directed something else. He directed that uh, Grave Dig, I Sell the Dead. He directed that film. Oh, oh, Um, He also did a bunch of visual effects for stuff like Stakeland, um, he uh and you know um you've seen this short i'm sure right this vhs short oh of course that's kind of why i want to talk about it because like from from my perspective before watching unmasked part 25 like this was the best version of that kind of like parody-esque style where it kind of like talked about the genre but also was like a really good entry into it but it was also a short and honestly it's one of my it's i think it's one of the best um shorts in um the first vhs which i'm actually not um i kind of went through it when i went back to watch this one um i didn't watch all of them but like vhs the first vhs is some pretty good stuff in it in my opinion um would would you just briefly just describe what the first vhs is okay so yeah if you've never seen vhs it's really a um anthology film um, that revolves around the wraparound story as they come into the, these burglars. I think they're burglars break onto this house um, yep. and discover this room with all these VHS tapes on it, and all of them have a different, like, scary story on it, essentially. Um, and a lot of them revolve around media in some way, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, not like in a smart black mirror way, just like in <laughs> loosely associated. Um, and they're all, I think that they're all, uh, so they're all treated as like found footage films, essentially. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and because they have these tapes, right? So that's, that's kind of like the wraparound story and the backing to all these stories. Um, this one, it really revolves around, um, these people going camping, right? Um, into the woods, um, and, um, they quickly discover that, like, one of the girls has kind of led them back here as a trap for this killer, um, that they call the glitch, which they can never really see, which appears to be, um, obscured by, um, like, uh, static, and, like, when you, when you can't really, um, look at it, really, and see what it is, and she's really set these up as a trap, um, and then it's sort of like a Friday the 13th um, story in where he traps and kills all of them one by one, I would say. Yeah, no, that, that, that's a very good description of it. I think it's like a, a very solid version of this story. And I think it adds this extra level of like the glitch where it, it adds an extra level to it, which like I guess you wouldn't see in like a normal Friday Thirteenth version of the story. I also really just like the idea of somebody facing like a Jason like killer and then being like my friends being killed and like I'm gonna get revenge on this motherfucker, so I'm gonna trick these lesser friends into having to uh, come to come and I'm gonna try to use them as bait. I think yeah, that's a really think... interesting idea. Um, yeah, it is a good idea. Like, I would have loved to see, like, say, like Tommy Jarvis, like, do that in the actual Friday. The <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. Like, it's it's an extra level of like emotion and like kind yeah. of like, manipulating the genre that like most 
parodies don't bother with, right? Like, it's just, like, this interesting extra level to it. Sure. No, I agree. I agree. I, I think um, I think it's something I'd like to see explored more. And actually, of all the ones in the first VHS, um, I think I could get into seeing, like, a longer-form version of this story. Um, yeah, I think the only one of that original VHS that actually got expanded was the, like, kind of, like, weird demon lady who, like, spread wings and, like, took that dude. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. I think yeah, that was yeah, the yeah. only one that actually got expanded, and I think... Uh, is that the I Amateur think, Night one? Or is that... Yeah, Amateur Night. That's the one. That's what it's called. And I think, uh, I do think that Tuesday the 17th could have actually gone expanded to a full movie. And, like, I think people would have shown up, because, like, I think the glitch is, like, a cool, uh, like, a, a visual layer you can add to already a narratively complex story. Sure. And I, I, I like that they add both of those twists into one, like, 20-minute story. Like, that's impressive. Yeah, I mean, I think that you might run into a problem there of um, trying to explain that character and giving it a backstory and making it lame, but um, I think in the right hands, that could be a decent full-length film, in my opinion. Um, Or at least hour length, you know, a little bit longer. But, you know, um, it's, you know, it's a good, uh, it's a good segment. And I'd actually say the first VHS is totally fine. um, Yeah, I think... I think my favorite of the VHS franchise is VHS two, and yeah, me most too. of that is due to one segment. Yeah, yep, yep. Like, um, I'm that, assuming you're talking about like, the cult one. Is that the? Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Like Gareth Evans' sec- segment is so fucking good yeah, that like it just good. elevates that entire movie like to a next level. Where like even the weakest segment, I'm kind of like, yeah, I'm okay. It exists. No, but I think VHS two is superior to VHS one in general. Um, and even though there's a tie, and I'm um, I'm a big fan of Ty West, actually. Um, even some of his lesser stuff, like oh. um, I, um, I, even so, like I think that VHS is that was... Ty West. My bad, my bad. I was well, no, 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 no. Ty West has a segment in the first VHS. Oh, okay, okay. Sorry, I just want to make sure I was giving yeah. correct credit. No, no, no. Nope, you're right. I believe it's Garrett. Yeah, so, I don't know. Um, before we talk about Final Girls, I just want to briefly talk about one other film. I did some extra credit. Oh, no. And oh, I never, I shouldn't have done it. Um, it was a fucking mistake. Um, but I watched Wacko, which also was in 1982. Um, oh, no. <laughs> which is also getting... Yeah, which is also getting a re-release from Vinegar Syndrome, I believe, in February. Oh, no! Vinegar Syndrome, what are you doing? You got to stick with Unmasked by 25. It's the superior of the team. Oh, for sure. For sure. I haven't seen it. Just going by title. Um, this film has Joe Don Baker in it. God help me. Oh, no. oh, George no. Kennedy is in this film. Um, and most importantly, most importantly, Tony Shalonghi, a.k.a. Andrew Clay, no dice, Andrew Clay in this film. Oh, no. Oh, oh, no. And it's about what you would expect. Graydon Clark is the director. Um, he um, is a director um, of a whole bunch of fucking trash, like Final Justice. Um, oh, no. Black Shampoo in 1976, you know, um, that type of thing. Um, and this film is uh, it, it's just dirty, you know? Um, the idea is it's just this infamous lawnmower killer who goes around killing people. Like, that's just the film. Um, and then it oh, just, joy. unlike 
unlike um, the film I talked about previously, Pandemonium, it it really more takes the vein of like spoofing particular scenes from films. Do you know what I mean? Like it really, um, you know, does like Brian De Palma film scenes and, and things like that. Um, he's a killer, wears a pumpkin on his head. Um, so there's a Halloween element to it as well, right? Kind of takes place on Halloween. So in some ways, maybe this is more of a Halloween spoof, but um, the way he kills is much more akin to Jason than it is to Michael Myers. Um, well, let me just give you the first or second scene of this film, and you'll get the gist, and we can move on and never talk about this ever fucking again, and I can pretend I never had to watch it. Um, <clears throat> one of the first scenes, um, a young lady is in her underwear, um, <laughs> standing in front of a mirror, um, oh, adjusting her clothes. Good, always a good sign for when you're starting a movie. And a la Animal House, um, there's a man at the window on a ladder, and he's breathing heavily. He's like, ah, ah, oh. ah, and she looks over, and she goes, Dad, what are you doing? How many times did I have to tell you not to do that? And that's played as a joke. Oh, oh, oh incest. And hey, cut okay. to we next scene. Like, incest babies, okay. Cut like a joke. You know what I mean? Cut like, oh, oh. punchline. Oh. Boom. Dad's jerking off in the window. Like, that's like... <laughs> the punchline yeah so that's like the kind of like if that's the thing you're into please don't tweet me or talk to me ever um but that's kind of what this film is like it, you know it it's disgusting and makes you feel dirty and you, you know it some this is like a film for dirty fanboys of horror on the internet who don't shower um, and they're like, oh, I remember that Brian DeFamo film. I'm so much smarter than everyone else. And uh, I hate Joe Bob Briggs friends. Yeah, anyway, yes. Continue. Yes, this is a film for Joe Bob Briggs, particularly. <laughs> I think. Okay. I think it was you made for... This may, yeah, this may be just getting a release so Joe Bob Briggs can jerk himself <laughs> off in his home theater and watch it. That may be what this film is for. Ah, uh, hopefully he gets a heart attack. Anyways, continue. <laughs> so that's it. That's it. That's all you need to know about this film. Like, it, it, wow. Um, it, that's the kind of film it is. Like, I don't... Uh, it's PG. You know, it shouldn't be. Um, I'm sure that's because of the time. Um, can, can, can we talk about... Okay, look. You, yourself, have watched a lot of shit for a lot of podcasts. For sure. You have, like, gone through a lot for the art of podcasting and the fact art, that art is a very generous word for what i do <laughs> look i want to make it feel worthwhile <laughs> to you so you can sleep at night okay i'm gonna call it art and you are not describing this film in any explicit detail like there's that no is how bad this fucking movie is. Yeah, there's nothing to, to describe like i could what but it's really what just year? like a series of um like reenacting different scenes from horror film, you know, not even more like suspense films slash horror films, Hitchcock scenes, um, doing it dirtier and for the sake of a joke and more sexualized for the sake of a joke. And it's oh. not funny and it's not worth your time. Just go watch the real fucking movies and call it a day. Like, I don't, right. I, you know, it, I, I get like, it's fucking stupid. The tagline right. for this film, by the way, I'm on IMDb, is a last, a motion picture made by, for, and about people just like you. 
What 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 year was this made? Nineteen eighty two, the same year as Pandemonium. Oh god damn, this is nineteen eighty two? I'm really surprised that like shitty parody films got this soon onto the bandwagon. Well, I mean I mean I think a lot of these films um and this is a film that I have a lot of love for, but definitely has a lot of questionable shit in, is a lot of these people saw Airplane and was like, I can do that. Right? Like, that's still going right. on. Right? right? Like, to this yeah, day, yeah. it's still going on. And they're, aside from the Naked Gun films, like, in Mel Brooks, like, they're mostly wrong. Like, I think it takes an immense talent to make something out of trash art. You know what I mean? And that's kind oh, of... I Look, I know what you mean because I refuse to watch the movie Junk Bucket or its sequel, <laughs> which are also sequels, which are also like this is this is a parody of Friday the Thirteenth called Junk Bucket, where some dude just like cuts off someone's dicks, and like look, I will watch whatever shitty movie this podcast or like any podcast demands of me. If it's after 2002 and it's like intentionally shitty, I won't fucking watch it. I can't sure. do it. I I can't do it. Those well, movies, that like that era of shitty movies are like shitty to be shitty little were yeah. shitty and like why would I want to watch something that's intentionally shit? Well, as I said, like I think you have to have an immense talent to make that. You have to be John Waters to make that work. Do you know what I mean? Well, like of you know and and John Waters comes around probably not even once a generation. Do you know what I mean? Like it probably once oh, no. every three generations. You know what I mean? Like that's oh. I, I know what you mean. Like, John Waters is, like, the god of this podcast. Like, John Waters yeah. is the crowned the king of any podcast because, like, he's fucking John Waters. Right, John but even, Waters like... Go ahead. Not, like, John Waters and, like, David Lynch are, like, two creative entities that do not come around every... Right, right. You, you can't... You can't... You're, you have too big a shoes to fill to make, to make, like, try to make trash art. You know what I mean? Um, oh, and, and that's so you should never do it, but like, I, I mean, Troma's made a very good living off of doing that, some of those people. Um, and there's been some good talent that's come from that arena as well, by the way. Um, it, but oh, for the most part, cool. most of their films are fucking unwatchable unless you're a fucking, um, pre-college fucking, and stoned as fuck, you know? Yeah, I, yeah, no, that's pretty, uh, that's a pretty good, uh degradation of uh, that type of filmmaking and again it would it would it needs to be noted that you're talking about these shitty versions of the movie that you're discussing more than the movie you're discussing (laughs) and i watched it and i wish i hadn't like honestly it's not even like i'm offended by it at all or anything that happened in it um there's definitely there's a ton of offensive shit in it um, but it's just not worth talking about, quite honestly. I just wanted to bring up that I watched it. Like, it's it it's a big it's a waste of time. Yeah, like unfortunately, like a lot of these movies are like a waste of time, and it's and it's such a shame because like again, uh, we're about to go into the final girls, and I think a the much final better girls. Oh, the final girls is like a really, really much better film, and it's just like a legitimate movie that's commenting on these movies, has a point to tell, 
And even if, uh, so like, we'll, we'll get into the final girls in a second, but I don't agree with its thesis, but what it tells sure. is yeah. it's go, it's going with into the movie with a story and an idea to tell, right? Like it's, it going in and it wants to say something, which is more than like 90% of the movies we've talked about has. And it says something that Saturday the 14th is the best version of like a straight up parody. Unmasked Part 25 is probably the best movie we'll talk about tonight, which is just weird. Mm. But it has something to say beyond it being a parody. But, like, the best straight-up parody is probably just, like, classic Saturday the 14th. And that sends up all versions of, uh, like, horror and not just Friday the 13th. I'd say it doesn't even touch Friday the 13th, really. Like, it's just... Just the name? Yeah. And I would say that the uh, I really like the uh, the VHS segment as well. But I think that uh, going into the final girls, uh, you really start seeing like a new level of quality show up, and it's like a lo- new level of people who actually grew up respecting these films mm-hmm. and not just liking them as a joke. Because, like, the whole crux of The Final Girls, uh, which is the last movie we're going to talk about tonight, is about a group of characters who actually get caught inside of the Friday 13th movie and have to navigate the rules of said movie, right? Sure. And I, I, and I, and I think that that leads to a very interesting commentary about these films in general, when it uses the idea that these films exist in this world, these are films, they are real, let's talk about these films, Mm -hmm. right? Like, as films rather than as a joke. And I think a lot of these uh, parodies just kind of, like, shit Yeah, I'm not even sure if I would categorize Foul Girl. It certainly does take shots at the genre, right? It's a very self-aware... Um, a film, obviously, that's the whole premise, but I wouldn't, like, Final Girls and, like, Cabin in the Woods, I'm not even sure I'd prem- call those spoofs, per se. Right. Much more, like, um, or Scream, really? You could throw Scream into that into the same category, right? Which is just, like, um, self-aware um, stories about the genre, which is not quite the same thing. As you said, it's more, it's not making fun of it, it's um talking about it you know more than yeah, anything no, else it, it's true i've got to just throwing it in this podcast yeah, yeah, no, yeah like, no i just wanted to make a, a I, I think it's unfair to a film as much as i fucking hate it uh like pandemonium to compare it to final girls you know what i mean like I, i'm not yeah <laughs> yeah for sure that's fair that's fair because final girls is on like a whole nother level it's much smarter First yeah, of all, it's much it's much smarter because someone sat down and watched and thought about it and thought about yeah. them, right? Like that's the that's the difference between a lot of these movies is that they thought about them and they they looked at the movies and had like a thesis about them, mm-hmm. right? Where they're like, oh, these movies operate uh, in a specific set of rules. Let's talk about those rules sure. and how they would exist. Uh, with somebody who has to deal with one of their family members being part of those rules, basically, is the plot of The Final Girls, where uh, there is a movie screening that is kind of like a, a, a reunion 
of all these actors and actresses who were in this old school Friday the 13th-esque movie. And there's a fire that happens and they get all drawn into it. And one of the people who are drawn into the physical movie itself has her mother be one of the main characters. And it's basically her kind of dealing with her mother being a final girl and how she can deal with you know, kind of existing in this world where she had to let her mother die in order to survive Mm -hmm. kind of thing. But it's also not her mom, it's the movie character. Which is like, there's so many levels to this movie where like you can tell somebody wrote this screenplay and we're like, oh, there's a lot of interesting things to talk about in this movie. Whereas when they talk about uh, any other movies in these parodies that it just... They clearly put no thought into it whatsoever. Right. Yep. Yep. I mean, that's it. That's the difference. Really. I mean, um, I mean, really, that's the difference. You know. It, yeah. It. Um. I. Um. Found Girls. The Found Girls is kind of a film. I. Um. Don't really hasn't really. Um. it's not a film that I would come back to a whole bunch. Like, I really appreciate it. I think it's a good film. Um, That's that's totally fair, because it's kind of like, it has something to say, so, like, if you don't fully fall in line with what it has to say, you're not going to revisit it often, is what I would think is probably, like, the best comparison to the movie. Because, so... So the, the movie is kind of like where I have an issue with it. And by the way, it's much better than 90% of these movies I, I talked about. Mm-hmm. So don't get this as like a criticism of the movie. It's like a well-made movie. It's just the idea that you have to follow the rules to survive. That kind of like sticks with me as a like, oh, like I kind of hate this. Because like I kind of wish it was a subversion of the tropes. Like fuck this. You don't have to follow the rules. Yep. Fuck them. And you can survive, and you can live, and you can, like, exist in this world, right? Like, that's kind of where I look at the film from, like, a a thematic standpoint and, like, disagree with it. But, like, I really respect how it was made and all the elements that were put into it and all the thought that was put into it. I just disagree with the main thesis. You know what I mean? Sure, for sure. Um, and I... Um... In that way, it sort of um, breaks the line of... And by the way, it's totally okay to criticize the things you love, right? Which is kind of what Final Girls, I feel like, does. Um, is I think it's trying to say, this is kind of a part of this genre that I love that is sort of shitty. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I think that's a good thing to do. I just don't necessarily... Agree that that's something that's always part of the genre, really. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't think that that's a solid thesis because I think there's a whole bunch of examples of the genre that doesn't follow in fall into that. Um, yeah, that's fair. Like, even like just thinking off the top of my head, the burning comes to mind. Right, for sure. Yes, right. of course. Yeah, um, and that's. Uh, I mean, uh, a whole bunch of them. A whole bunch of them. Right, sleepaway camp. You know. Um, yeah. whole bunch of films that don't really, um, and obviously Sleepaway Camp has its own problems, but I, I mean, um, it's kind of where that criticism falls short for me. But that being said, I, as you, as you preface this, 
it's a really good film, and I um, I'm not trying to shit talk it. It's probably I didn't watch Unmasked Twenty Five, but it's definitely the best film all, that I talked about by a long shot. For sure, for sure. I just I I think it's a movie that has something to say, which makes it different than all of the films. Yeah, like yep. nearly all the films we've talked about today. And whether you agree with that or not, that's totally fair. It's just the idea that it was made with a point makes it uh, a little bit more uh, applaudable than most of the films we've talked about. Um, and can I just say, like, why don't they just put uh, Ali Shaka in, like, fucking... Ali Shaka in, like, every fucking horror movie? Because it seems to be, like, when she's in a horror movie, it's fucking great. Um, well, yeah, she's like, in Green Room? Uh, I mean... yeah. For sure, for sure. She has actual acting talent, which is why you should probably be milking that for all that's worth. Yeah. Because eventually she'll be like, oh, wait, I could be in movies that aren't this. Okay, <laughs> do that. And win fucking Oscars, right? Like, it's just a weird, a weird experience. But uh, I mean, it's just an applaudable film because it has a point. Yeah. Whether you agree with that point or not, it has a point, which just kind of like. Puts it above all the other movies we've talked about before. Minus, uh, I'm going to say Unmasked Part 25, because I think it has a point where it's kind of about a midlife crisis for one of these characters, which is just kind of a fun idea. Uh, but, yeah, I think I think you probably could have a good marathon of watching Unmasked 25, and then watching, uh, you're watching The Final Girls, and then, hey, if you want something kind of, like, silly and loose and, like, non-offensive, watch Saturday the 13th. I, I want to, um... I want to go back to a point because it just really occurred to me. I know we're going a little bit long, but um, oh, the, I want to compare Final Girls to Scream a little bit in terms of rules because both films are very much obsessed with the rules of horror films, right? Like that's right. kind of where these films fall. And and I just want to point out that Scream kind of does what you say, which is <laughs> take those rules and flip them on their head and say the rules are kind of bullshit. Yeah, yeah, no. That's, More that's so than point. Final Girls. Like, that's a good point. Like, no, I just think it's where interesting. Final Girls, where Final Girls obeys the rules, Scream breaks them. Intentionally. It's like a good... Intentionally. It's like a good, yeah. like a good, uh, good comparison for the two films. If you, in your life, had to watch one of these films that is not the Final Girls, what would you watch again and why? Uh, it has to be a film I watched. Yes. Uh, I, definitely Saturday the 14th. Like, it's totally can go down. I could get shit drunk and, like, pay attention to the scenes that are kind of humorous and nothing is going to um, bring me down and it's an easy watch and it goes down smooth. For sure. 100%. No, that's fair. That's fair. That's that is more than you can say about a lot of comedies from that time. So, <laughs> I, I honestly think that, like, Maybe this film needs to be uplifted a little bit more just because of the decade that it's in. <laughs> because, like, honestly, like, you even watch, like, an uh, a any comedian that you really love, you watch uh. an old stand-up special from them, and you're like, oh, God. <laughs> This is made in 1981. And the, the idea that, like, again, obviously I understand the times change and you obviously equate time uh, a movie with the time that you live in and you have to, like, kind of, like, deal with that. But I just mean the fact that you could watch this in 2019 and not really need a whole lot of, like, 
It's 2020, by the way. Not bad. Uh, but you can watch this in this date and time and not have a whole bunch of stipulations is probably kind of nice. Yeah, yeah. It's it's totally um, it's totally harmless, which is nice, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a big it's a big change. Let's just say that. Um, I I kind of feel like I'm cheating because I actually had just ended up having a very good movie, which is Unmasked Part 25, which like sure. nobody will believe me. But I swear to God, it's my new mission to make sure everybody watches this movie. Uh, and I pre-ordered the Blu-ray as I was watching like this shitty quality movie that I was watching. So like, the uh, hopefully they really did a good uh, upscale of the movie. Yeah, I'm totally gonna check that out. Yeah, like it, it blew my mind because I would never have thought like this is a movie where I have crossed like on video shelves. I've crossed it on like lists online. And just been like, eh, I'll never watch this movie. And uh, I must say, doing this podcast uh, has a lot of bonuses. But one of them is that, hey, you watch things that you uh, normally wouldn't watch. So, mm-hmm. hey, props to this podcast. And we <laughs> for 25. Uh, but I think we both recommend uh, both that VHS uh, segment and the uh, the final girls. Yeah, for sure. Like, I don't know why... Um... If you haven't seen Final Girls and you're a horror fan, you definitely should. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Where on the internet can they find your presence? Oh, I don't know. I'm occasionally on Twitter, BadAttitude86. Um, I write for Bloody Good Horror uh, occasionally. Um, Beholden Lecture Terrors uh, podcast that uh, both Andrew and I are on um, that's on the Patreon of Bloody Good Horror. So, um, And right here, talking about Riverdale, baby, which I've never yeah. seen. <laughs> Which I've never, like on Mass 25, I've never seen a single moment of Riverdale. That will continue. Let's just say I very much considered on the website Cameo spending $125 just so someone from Riverdale could make a uh, a message to Jason who has never seen the show. Because... <laughs> Wait, is that just anyone? It's a flat 125 for anyone? Or is no, it no, like... no. Oh, no, no, no. It's Riverdale cast members set their own amount of money, and there are some people that are worth 50 and there are some people that are worth 125 So uh, let's just say I briefly considered spending the money on Jason <laughs> oh, God. message. Dear like God. i to say one of our other co-hosts, Valeska, talked me out of it. Yeah, yeah. Smart <laughs> move by her. Anyways, as always, if you want to contact this podcast, please email us at mpodcastm or rate us five stars on whatever podcast network that you're listening to this on. And, uh, you know, as always, blame the CW. Bye. Bye.